0: Ellen, thanks so much for for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I know you're very busy.
1: Hey, Kevin. I'm happy to be here, and I know you're very busy, too.
0: And, uh, you know, especially during a pandemic, it's I'm always impressed by what people have been able to do and accomplish, and um, you're, you're no different. Uh, a number of different releases have come off my transom the, the past few months. The first one is congratulations on your new position with Mind Research. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that's about?
1: Sure. Well, you know, they asked me to be on their board, which I guess it means I'm experienced or older or whatever, however one refers to to that. But, you know, I I was a former math teacher. I, I taught math for 10 years and I've been an instructional designer and a researcher. And one of my passions has always been math education, improving math education. So when I was asked to join mine's board of directors, I thought, hey, this is a perfect match. And uh, I've never been on a board before, but I'm excited to be doing it.
0: And you look at the, the, the sort of work that, that mine has been doing, and especially uh, I've talked with the folks over there. You know, during the pandemic, um, they had a lot of progressive technologies and techniques, uh, both for in classroom, but also for remote. Uh, I don't think anyone saw their 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 products being prepared to be used during something that we like what we've just gone through um talk a little bit about where you see math um changing the the instruction of it changing as a result of that forced (laughs) migration to remote um and some of the tools and discoveries that may have come about as a result of of this past couple years and where you see it going forward
1: right um i don't know that the content of math education you know has changed because of remote learning um, but certainly you know approaches have changed and i think one of the things that that mind does you know they have a product called st math which stands for spatial temporal so everybody would say what the heck is that and it's basically it's all game based but not game based as, as you think of like traditional video games i mean spatial temporal refers to an ability to for kids to conceptualize three-dimensional relationships of objects in space mm-hmm. and then they kind of have to, you know, mentally manipulate those as they go through a bunch of transformations. And these games that they have developed to do this entire math curriculum are to me pretty remarkable and I'm not saying that just because I'm on their board. I've always kind of admired what they do. And I think that one of the trends that I see happening in math education um COVID or not is moving toward an approach that is more visual uh which i think really really works for kids they understand how things fit together and look for pictures and patterns and spatial relationships and you know i think that that's really cool um so i think we're going to see more and more of that happening um and as, as far as the pandemic um yeah, I mean, you know, I think kids learn math just in living their lives. So I'm not—I know everybody talks about learning loss, but it—it um, it always sounds like they make it a little too dire than uh, the way I view it.
0: That's interesting, yeah. Because uh, other uh, conversations I've had, uh, specifically talking about math and how I say it's different than than teaching English, right, or or, or social studies. And there's that whole element of like having to show your work, I guess, especially as the math gets more complicated above my level, which is about fourth grade. (laughs) Uh, uh, And it it also seems, you know, we we can, uh, we only have a few minutes and I'm I'm going down rabbit holes, but the idea of of equity as well, in terms of some of the learning loss in underserved communities during the pandemic, basically Uh kids were at home and they didn't have a parent or a guardian or an aunt or someone to kind of. Help them with their math, even as if they're you know they're listening to the instruction remotely, but you still kind of need somebody over the shoulder right so right. New, new online tutoring possibilities, some other you know uh, online um, instructional potentials uh, that might be there that you see that could be a solution to to attacking that learning
1: loss well, I mean there are online tutoring operations and things like that, but they cost money. Mm-hmm. You know, and the people, the kids who are most effective, their parents can't afford to do it. I mean, one of the things about a visual approach to math, which I see, as I mentioned, companies doing, is that it doesn't involve language. So when you talk about equity and you talk about like English language learners, for example, um, regardless of what somebody's language proficiency level is, if they have the ability work, to work with math on a visual level, they don't need language. So that's not going to hold them back. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a key thing to how we want to approach it. Um, I know that, you know, yes, as I said, there is learning loss, but I'm convinced that kids were still learning while they were out of school. And rather than thinking of learning loss, I mean, I I hate that word, but I think about learning recovery Mm -hmm. and different kids will have to recover, you know, in, in different ways. And I think providing parents with tools to help their kids, is going to be key. And I see a number of companies not only thinking about that, but starting to to develop those tools. And and some have already developed them um, because there's no way the schools are going to be able to do it all on their own.
0: Absolutely. As a parent, uh, you know, the the new dynamic between educators and schools and parents, I think is, is pretty profound. I mean, I, I spoke more to my kids teachers in the past 18 months than I did in the 18 years they've been in school. Uh, even right. Though, even though it's been, you know, online and not in person. Um, one, one more question as we as we wrap this up, and hopefully we can look towards the future. I would just love to have a peek into uh, your crystal ball and where you see some of these trends evolving. I mean, that, I'll assume uh, things are glass half full. Give it, give us some some positive insights.
1: Well, I, in terms of the uh, the whole COVID thing, or just in terms of in general, the education market.
0: I mean, in, in terms of math and the way that that math maybe has uh, you know progressed, say through the use of these technologies and techniques.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I see, and I'm always kind of amazed, is that, um, I'm trying to think of how to explain it, is that now you see kids doing algebra in the eighth grade, almost as standard in a lot of schools. When I was teaching for a kid to do algebra in the eighth grade, they were like one of the really gifted kids. Yeah. And in fact, when I, when I was teaching, I had one kid who was ready to do algebra and we had to send her up to the high school for, I was teaching middle school. We had to send her to the high school first period to get algebra. Now, I mean, that that would be ridiculous. I mean, people would think, well, why aren't we teaching algebra in middle school for kids who can handle it? Because they're moving along much, much, much more quickly. You know, I mean, math is seen as a, as much of a core skill as literacy, which I think, you know, we used to put more emphasis on literacy. Um, but, you know, the other day I was watching, and I hate to admit this, I was watching Star Trek Discovery. And I've always been <laughs> right. a cook. I've always been a Trekkie and there's a new, uh, you know, a relatively new series called Star Trek Discovery and they go a thousand years into the future. And there are a bunch of characters on it that are engineers who are not nerdy and they're all about math. And there are a lot of times in it when they say it's the math. Come on. We just need to use the math. And I think that's how we have to think about that as a skill that we all need to have It's going to be part of our lives forever. As we learn to read, we need to, need to learn to do math and kind of get rid of that idea. Well, you know, my mother wasn't good in math, so I'm not good in it either. It's right. not something that's genetic. It's something that everybody can succeed at. And I just want to see people go into it with a much more positive attitude.
0: Well, I knew if I asked you for predictions in the next three to five years, I'd get a thousand years in the future. So that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, it
1: was 950, but I rounded up.
0: <laughs> Very good. Well, Ellen, as always, it's great to talk to you. I hope to see you soon. Hopefully maybe in person in New Orleans at ISTE, but uh, in that, the meantime, yeah, that, thanks again That for would be great.
1: Time. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking with me, Kevin. Take care and stay safe. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye.